fearless fundraisers. I'm Don Lego, and it's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you continue making impacts in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. I am super pleased to welcome a very special guest today. We're going to talk about some sensitive, maybe difficult conversations, but I think it's so important to get comfortable with the, with the uncomfortable, and Beth Sturman is going to help us do that. So Beth Sturman, Executive Director of Laurel House, please Welcome to uh, Raise Nation Radio. We're so happy to have you here. Um, how are you doing today? Thanks so much, John. It's great to be here. Um, I'm doing well. I'm really glad the rain let off. <laughs> Loving the sunshine. Glad that we're in a nicer season and I'm looking forward to talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's so great to have you here. I know we have to talk about some sensitive subjects and we're in the same area. So we're neighbors. I'm in New Jersey. You're in the Pennsylvania area. And yes, we've had nothing but rain. It's been unseasonably cold and rainy um, this spring season. Um, So I agree with you. It's good to see a little sunshine. I took a walk already uh, this morning for actually my own mental health, you know, awareness and, and balance. I try to do that every morning I get up at 5 a.m. and I'm out the door a little thereafter and I take an hour walk and just try to take everything in. But I couldn't do that for so many days. And it's just nice to have the sunshine today. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's probably very minor in the world of um, keeping your mental health together and what some of your clients go through with uh, domestic violence abuse and teen dating abuse. And it's such a delicate conversation, but help us, help us understand, learn, help us be educated in, in this area so that you, we, we can help, right? That's what Raise Nation Radio is all about. We, we want to be aligned more with, with some of these critical missions. And there's so many people out there that want, good people that want to help. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let, let's our audience get to know you and about Laurel House and what you do, why it's important and Lay it all on us. <laughs> Thank you. So um, I'm impressed that you get up that early in the morning. We'll start with that. <laughs> I don't get up that early in the morning, but I do stay up late. Um, Laurel House is, is a comprehensive domestic violence agency. We are based in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and we serve the whole county. It's a big county geographically. Um, we do everything from prevention education at very young ages and on up through high school, college, middle school, uh, community, uh, anything we can do to help prevent the problem from developing and help make sure people know that resources are available early in the process of of being involved with uh, a domestic abuse kind of relationship. We talk a lot about warning signs, red flags. We teach kids, male and female kids, about how to help a friend, what to do if you're concerned that you know, one of your buddies might be 
um, controlling or, or abusive to his or her significant other, how you can try to intervene in that way. So we do all of that kind of good prevention work. And then unfortunately, uh, there still are people who need the more direct help and who end up needing anything. We have a hotline, 24 seven hotline. Our amazing volunteers and staff that answer the hotline, um, some of the calls are quick. They Somebody just has a question. I'm not sure if this is a bad thing that I'm going through. I'm not sure what kind of help I might need. I'm not sure I'm ready for help. I really don't want to make a big change. I just want to feel a little safer and a little calmer. Or, you know, it could be a very long conversation where somebody's really walking the caller through safety planning how to plan to get out at a time when it's going to be safest to get out, how to make plans for your children to get out. Um, I was just reading something about safety planning for your pet, because a lot of times leaving a pet behind is one of the, the hardest challenges for someone who needs to leave a domestic abuse situation. So all of those kinds of very direct services with helping somebody make all of those plans. Then we have a shelter, a 24-7 um, emergency, yeah, emergency shelter for women, men, and children. There are male victims that we serve as well as female. The majority are female women with kids or single women, um, but we do serve male victims as well, and sometimes men who have children with them. Um, so that shelter, we, we're opening, we're very excited, we're opening a new 34-bed, um, 12-bedroom uh, shelter. Starting uh, June 6th, we'll be able to start bringing residents in, and that, the it's really exciting because for many, many, many years, we had a 27 bed shelter in a very old building, which was just home to so many people over so many years. It was terrific. But over the years, it became more and more difficult to maintain it, heat it, cool it. There were mobility issues, all of that. So we were so fortunate that we acquired this new building. We just finished renovation work on it. And the first floor will be for folks from the community who need counseling or advocacy, maybe legal help, that kind of thing. And then the top two floors are for the folks from the shelter. So we're really excited about opening that service. We have some transitional housing for people coming out of shelter. We have a, an on-site, um, on-staff attorney who works, uh, helps people through the protection from abuse process. Um, then we have this amazing group of emergency responders called our domestic abuse response team. Uh, we have five staff people and 14 volunteers in that team. And again, they are 24 seven answer a special uh, hotline, DART hotline, when we get called by police or by hospitals or by other medical professionals. Um, and they go out and they meet with somebody wherever they are, wherever it's safe for us to be. We'll go out and meet with the victim, with any kids, um, help make sure they know right away that there's help available, that they're not alone. They don't have to go through this alone. So it's wow. very comprehensive. We're very lucky that we've been able to build this. We've had a lot of support from the community to put all the pieces together so that we have kind of a soup to nuts everything from prevention to the immediate crisis response and everything in between. Wow. Um, I, I have, I don't know what vision people that comes to people's mind when they think of, you know, domestic abuse, but you, you've just changed my vision and, and changed my mindset. And, and I have a, a young daughter, she's 20 years old and, and she's dating. And I, it never crossed my mind that 
um, violent relationship. I don't know why, maybe my own ignorance or being naive, but it just, it didn't cross my mind that there could be teenagers in difficult situations, unsafe situations. And gosh, I mean, it's hard enough as an adult, but with peer pressure and wanting to be accepted and having the attention of, you know, a, 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 a crush interest, a romantic interest, mm-hmm. a love interest and, and everything else that's going on in formative years to also be dealing with, with such horror. And, and you're telling me that that's true. That's, that's actually in many cases where all of this starts. That's yes, unfortunately, that's true. And what we found, you know, you said maybe based on your own experience, it didn't occur to you. And what we found is that a lot of times some of the young people who end up in these really difficult, um, potentially dangerous relationships grew up in households where this was unimaginable. So they're not um, they're not attuned to what to look for. And when the initial relationship starts out and there's a lot of attention and um, maybe it even a lot of jealousy, but maybe it looks like I just want you all to myself, which sounds great when you're sounds 15. great. Right. Yeah. yeah but at 15, 15, it's, it's not a warning sign. Yeah. It's, um, but Ugh. really it's, it can be so dangerous. And so we've had a lot of families who have come to us for concerns about their children who are involved in those kinds of relationships. And that's the other kind of counseling that we do is if somebody has a loved one they're worried about, we can do counseling with the concerned party to help them know best how to intervene or how to support the person without pushing them away. Because especially if you have a a 20 year old, you know, Don, with the teenagers, Sometimes the more we try to intervene, the more likely they are to go in the other direction. Of course, so, sure, classic. But but of course, for parents and and aunts and uncles and concerned you know people, loved ones, um, all we want to do is rush in and save the day, right? We want to prevent yeah. any tragedy from happening. So we work with those parents and other family members to help them learn how to best intervene. And we've had some really heartwarming situations where maybe a year later, a young person will call and say, you know, I know you talked to my mom. I know you. (laughs) And I know she learned a lot from you. And I'm really glad you did because when I was ready, I knew where to go to get help, but she didn't push me. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, because um, I push with my daughter all the time. I think I, I make course, every mistake in the world, right? I see something that I I I, I just need to fix it. Of you course. know, I just need to jump in. I just need to fix it. And I can't imagine, you know, as somebody going through this or or a parent watching a loved one, you know, having to call the Laurel House and and mm-hmm. making that move. There's got to be so much. You know what the wonderful thing is, though, too, is that not just Laurel House, but all there's domestic violence agencies all over the country. And we're part of a larger organization in Pennsylvania called the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And the work that's been done since the 70s around educating people, raising awareness about domestic abuse and domestic violence, people are less ashamed to reach out and call for help. Thank goodness, right? Absolutely. Changing the narrative a little bit. Yeah. So people know, like, this isn't just you. You're not alone. This isn't because you made a huge mistake or... Um, we're not going to try to push people to make decisions they don't want to make. We It's an empowerment model. We help people make their own decisions about do you mm-hmm. want to stay? Do you want to go? 
what does that look like? How can you stay as safe as possible? Whatever choices mm-hmm. you make. Um, oh. So we're just really, our hotline numbers have skyrocketed. Our crisis calls have skyrocketed, but we don't think it's necessarily because things have gone up that dramatically. We think it's because people are more willing to reach out and ask for help. They know and that, help available. that's great. Changing that mindset, changing that narrative, not feeling ashamed on top of everything else. Right. We've made some great strides. Really and I, I, I'm, I, that's why I want to have this conversation with you because we need to continue to, to make those strides. So I have so many, so many questions to ask you. So, but I do want to start with applauding everything that you've done. I know you've celebrate, you're celebrating your 40th, right? Some milestone anniversaries. Was it just your 40th anniversary? It's uh, we're actually coming up on 42, but we're 42. calling it 40 because 40, 40. Was yeah, because everybody took of two 20. years off. Of, yeah, we all took two years out of the, our lives. Yep. Exactly. Well, congratulations on your 40. Um, and I applaud everything that you're doing. I do want to give a big, huge shout out to your volunteers and your your support members that are managing, you know, your call center. Um, very brave, you know, individuals. Uh, I'll share a little story. My daughter, she's a rising sophomore at Boston College and part mm-hmm. of her curriculum, she's part of Samaritans. Um, there's a, a course called Pulse at Pulse, Boston College and she's volunteering every week um, on a call center, very oh, similar. And she can't discuss the details with me, but she does share that it's heartbreaking and it's taken a lot out of her all this year. And I think she's better for it, but I know what your volunteers, so I know some somewhat what your volunteers mm-hmm. and, and those that are manning your call center go through. So let's shout out to them and applaud them. Um, but let's also put that number out there, the Laurel House number, because people listen to Raise Nation radio podcasts for a multitude of reasons. And I'd like them to have access to how do they contact if they're in a situation where they need help. Let's just get that out there right now. What is the number? Great. Thank you. It's 1-800-642-3152. 642-3152. And that's toll free 800. Toll free 24 seven. Um, call if you want help, call if you're concerned about someone else who you think might need some help. Um, call if you just want to run something by. And we had one woman, it was really great. She had left her uh, husband, father of her children, and she called almost every night for several months because she said, I was so afraid after I put the kids to bed that I would weaken and go back to a really it was a very dangerous situation so she called every night just to talk to somebody until she felt tired enough to go back to sleep herself um oh my god oh my god now she's one of our volunteers (laughs) really Mm -hmm. well there's a success story for you i mean sometimes you just need second you second guess yourself sometimes in decisions especially as one as you know delicate and emotional as you know, leaving your spouse and the father of your children. And thank God Laurel house was there. So um, I'm glad we got that number, that number out there. Um, And um, let's talk about warning signs because you mentioned them. I don't know what they are. And and I mentioned to you that I probably would make all the mistakes in the world as a mom, if I saw my daughter going through something. So I'd love to hear, would you mind sharing some of those warning signs so that people are a little bit more educated? What, what we see, most people, we always say, you know, most people don't start out on the first date putting their worst foot forward. It's gradual, right? So things that start out looking really romantic, um, and a lot of it, it, it's a gradual building of isolation 
So a lot of it is, oh, honey, do we really have to, you know, spend the weekend with your friends? I really just love it when it's just the two of us, which sounds really great, not just when you're a teenager, but, you know, for folks who are older as well, it sounds wonderful. Oh, he just really, or she, they just really want all my attention there. They really want to give me all their attention. And so gradually what happens, and this is one of the biggest warning signs, this is isolation builds up. And then there might be something, you know, criticizing what somebody's wearing, controlling who they're going to see, checking up on them. Um, hey, call me when you get to the grocery store. Send me a picture of where you are. And again, it can be cloaked so that it looks like, hey, I just want to keep track of you. I just like sharing my day with you. But then gradually it becomes so all-encompassing that that towards the um, you know, really abusive part of a relationship, the, the control is there, the isolation is there, and having cut the person off from a lot of their support systems. If the person's a, if the, the victim is a member of a religious congregation or any kind of religious group, maybe, you know, I really just am not comfortable with that particular religious leader. I don't like the way people look at me when we go. Can't we just stay home? Can't we try this other place? So that gradually the person's cut off from family, from, I don't think your father likes me. I'm not comfortable being there. Um, and gradually it just becomes more and more where it's just the two of the, the two people, or if there are children involved, just the family, just the immediate family. So those natural support systems are cut off. Mm. Um, there are often things like um, maybe constant texting or phoning while the person's at work or school. And initially it starts out again, very loving, like, hi, sweetie, I'm just thinking of you. And then gradually it's like, well, you didn't answer me back. What's wrong? You know, were you talking to one of your coworkers? Were you talking to another boy in the hallway? You know, irrational thoughts, irrational thoughts that again, look sweet to begin with, because it looks like we just want this exclusive relationship. But what it turns into over time is a very controlled environment. We have women who, um, and I, I use women, but we do serve male victims. And I want to stress that, but because mo- the majority of the folks that we serve are women, I usually just use that as, as the example. But we have people who are earn six-figure salaries who don't have access to their paycheck. It goes directly into an account that they don't have access to, um, or every spending, every dollar is um, supervised. You know, let me see the receipts. Let me see Um, people. We've had people tell us they can't come to. And this has been actually one of the silver linings to the pandemic is that we now offer virtual counseling. Mm -hmm. We've had people tell us they can't come to our counseling sites because their abuser checks the odometer. So, you know, you said you were going to the grocery store. That's three miles away. Why did you go 12 miles? Um, the again, just the it, ultimate control. A lot of control, and again, it starts so, out slowly, so but it builds. So, um, abuse is not just physical. Then, abuse is definitely not just physical. Um, the what we've seen, and there was a study actually in one of our neighboring counties a few years ago where. And I I don't even like to talk about the domestic homicides, but they're a reality of where domestic abuse can go and sometimes unfortunately does go. And there was a study that showed that in over 50% of the domestic fatalities, there had been no prior uh, 
evidence of abuse, of physical abuse, physical abuse, all the verbal, the financial, maybe sexual, um, emotional control, a lot of, put, you know, the negative put downs, making somebody feel that they're um, nobody else would ever love you. Um, and there, about and, people's appearance is really undermining somebody's confidence. And that's really important here that there's no shame here, right? If, if you right. are a victim, it, it's not you. It is no way, Jose, it, it is not you. And, right. and that feeling that it is, is horrific, really. It, 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 it's horrific. And um, one of the things that we've seen um, oftentimes, especially with, you know, younger people, if parents didn't maybe approve of the relationship or then once that kind of once the young person starts becoming uncomfortable with the situation, they don't want to go back and tell their friends who said that person's no good for you. They don't want to go back and tell mom or dad who said, we really don't think you should be going out with that person in the first place. Or maybe we didn't want you to marry that person. And so then people are ashamed to admit, like, maybe I really did make a mistake, um, which is another way that people get more and more cut off from their natural support system. Oh, wow. Gosh. Tell me a little bit about thinking well. That is just um, a, 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 a mantra, a program coined by Laurel House, or is it used in general? But it's just there's goals and, and a whole program about thinking well. Can you tell us a little bit so about we, that? We use a um, healing trauma workbook that really helps people um, first heal from the trauma and then think um in ways that are are more uh forward moving more productive more positive but they have to go through the healing trauma piece first people can't just shift their perspective and go from what does that look like though the healing process first what what does that look like the workbook that we use and our we have trained counselors um most of them are licensed or they're graduate student interns who work under a licensed counselor and they go through a workbook that really helps people look at their trauma, acknowledge their trauma, feel, um, work on the shame that goes with, you know, recognizing that it isn't their fault and getting to the point where it becomes part of them. You can never totally put it behind you, but it doesn't define who they are anymore. We always say people go from surviving to thriving. And um, we have certainly seen that over years, it takes some time. It's a 12-week curricula, but we offer up to a year of counseling weekly. Once people have completed that curricula, they can stick with their counselor, really go through a whole process now that they've started to heal, really go through a whole process of moving forward, putting together a healthy foundation for themselves and if there are children involved for their children. Um, and we've seen we had, when we were talking about the rain earlier, we have an annual men's walk called Walk a Mile in Her Shoes. It's actually um, not something we made up. It's something that it's a national event that um, different organizations can, can use. And men come out and they walk in heels uh, to feel what it's like to walk in a woman's shoes. And uh, it's a men's march against. Oh, I've got. I need an invitation women. to that. I just. Well, I, I, this one was in the rain and it was bitter cold on Saturday. And God bless these men that showed up and they wore heels, which are not always properly fitting. And uh, and they walk a mile 
and they were really good sports. It was bitter cold and it was wet, but they did their walk. Good for them. Yeah. yeah. And this was, um, oh my goodness, I feel like it was our 10th. It was certainly, we've done this walk for a number of years. We yeah, I, I know about this walk. I've heard about it. It's a really fun, colleges do it sometimes as fundraisers. For, Is it, it's um, a fundraiser like for, for yeah. Laurel House? It's, it's like a peer-to-peer -peer type fundraising? Okay, Absolutely. Great. Yeah, peer-to-peer -peer and um, sponsors, obviously. But colleges sometimes do it, fraternities sometimes do it. It's this, um, we get a lot of police and fire folks who come out and business people it's really a great and it's fun it's just well it's easy for me to say it's fun I get to wear tennis shoes but but it is <laughs> the men have fun with it too so um we we love to find the ways that um we can engage the whole community Mm -hmm. It's not just a women's problem, it's a community problem. And one of the things that happened at Saturday's um, event was there was a, a young uh, a set of teenagers who were running together, a boy and a girl. And at the end, um, I didn't recognize them, and I've known this family a long time. They came to us many years ago out of a really horrific domestic abuse situation. And at the end, I realized who these kids were, and they were the surviving kids of this horrific situation who are now thriving along with their mom who's thriving and it was just the looks on their faces they were so happy they were um getting along with each other which you've raised a teenager you know they were getting <laughs> along with each other um and they were doing something really positive about domestic violence when they had lived through something that was so horrible. So we love to see that. We have a lot of success stories like that. And we know that we're not alone. There are domestic violence organizations all over the country that have those same kinds of success stories. Once a parent starts to get help for themselves, it often translates into help for their children as well. Oh, that's a beautiful story. It really, it, it's, um, those are the things that keep us going <laughs> you know. for 40, for 40 plus years. Absolutely. And on wow. the days when you get those really heartbreaking calls, like you talked about that your daughter has experienced, but when you're on the other side of it and you get to see where some of those heartbreaking calls lead to it's really positive outcomes and you get, that's, that's why we do the work that we do. Yeah. I mean, I can't express my gratitude enough. I yeah. have a family member who um, is going through a horrific situation, sure. obviously to protect my family. Um, you know, I'm not going to um, no, dive into sure. names and things like that, right. but um, she, she almost lost her life just recently. Oh. Oh. And, um, you know, I, I call my mom almost daily and um, I ask one question, you know, is he still in jail? You know, cause to me, that's all I know. I just want, you know, her safe mm -hmm. and him away. And right. I don't know what's going to happen. And I often spend late nights with my mom, like, well, mm -hmm. what's going to happen? Just mm -hmm. like, because jail's not the solution, uh, you right. know, there, there's, so I really, you know, empathize with your clients and, mm -hmm. and applaud, you know, what, what you're doing. Um, but, but it is not, as you mentioned, exclusive, you know, to women. Um, I certainly am not going to comment on the Johnny Depp case and <laughs> who's right or who's wrong there. But you, you, if you, if you just make some assumptions there that maybe Mr. Depp is, you know, um, 
in a, in a, in a situation that he shouldn't be in. There's also being ostracized, uh, you know, as a man Absolutely. on top, you know, of, of, of all of this. I mean, it's just, it's not just what you're going through. It's the emotion, it's the trauma, it's the children, it's the finances. Right. It's, it's just so all encompassing. Um, but as a man, I, I would believe that 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 being ostracized or even as a woman, you know, anyone mm-hmm. just being ostracized for this whole situation has to be yet another very serious mental play uh, uh, and playing head games on you. It must be hard for a man to come forward. Yeah, I think uh, again, I, I agree. It is absolutely. And and I've worked in this field a long time, um, even before I came to Laurel House, the first um Nonprofit job I ever had was a secretary in a domestic violence day program, and that was in the 70s. And so I've seen the changes, thankfully, in um, not just in men being more willing to come forward, but in police departments and hospitals and um, emergency responders being more aware that uh, domestic violence can happen to men and and not minimizing that or, you know, because back in the day, um, sometimes an officer was, oh, come on, you let that little lady push you around, you know, come on now, big old man like you. And I think we've done a lot of, not just we, but domestic violence advocates across the country have done a lot of good educational work with law enforcement and with medical professionals, other responders, to really encourage them to take it seriously if someone reports that they're being abused and to really help get that person connected to um, resources as well. So we've definitely seen over the last several years an increase in the number of men that reach out for help. And which we're really grateful for. And um, the women, when we have co-ed support groups where um, it's really great to just watch how the men and women who are all, you know, victims turning into survivors um, support each other, regardless of whether they're male or female. Wow. You do so much at the Laurel House. Um, you know, I've, I've had the chance to peruse your website. You've shared a lot, you know, today, um, but I imagine it takes a, a massive amount of funds to keep, I mean, new buildings and 24, 24, seven support. And it, it, it has to take, you know, massive funds. So we have people that are listening. That's great. What do you need? How, how oh, can you. one be involved, whether they have deep pockets or not? Um, I'm sure there's different ways to help and to, 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 to get involved. So can you lay those out for us? Um, sure. What sure. do you need and how can people get involved? Sure. Thank you so much. We have, um, as you said, a variety of needs, a variety of ways people can help everything from volunteering. We have a wish list that we update every month. It's on our website of things like cleaning supplies and different seasonal um, new clothing, bedding, things like that, personal care items. So for groups that want to do a collection, that's always something that people can do. And then we have lots of events at different price points and different kinds of things that would appeal to different people. Uh, people are always welcome to um, support those events financially and also by attending and participating or by volunteering to help put the events together. And then we have a donate now button on our website. One of the things that we really, uh, at any level, deep pockets, as you said, or or not, um, every dollar counts. And we are currently wrapping up our capital campaign for our new building. And there's a special uh, part of our donate uh, page on our website where people can specifically uh, specify that they'd like their funding to go towards the capital campaign. It was a $3.5 million campaign where about uh, 
400, a little bit, uh, about 400,000 short. Um, and literally $5, $10, $20, obviously, thousands, any of those add up. And we're appreciative of all of that. Um, happy to give tours of the building to anybody that would like to see the building. We're really proud of it. We're really excited about it. And that and, opens uh, in June, just a couple of days June. away. Right. And then the other way that people can always help, no matter where they are and, and whether it's you know financially or otherwise, if you know somebody you're concerned about, reach out to your local domestic violence agency, ask how you can support the person you're concerned about, um, and don't be afraid to talk about it. We have a great group of people that does a luncheon for us every September called Breaking the Silence to help encourage people, you know, come on out, talk about it. It's It happens so much more frequently than any of us know, and the more we open up and share about it, the, the easier it is for the next person coming up behind us to share about and reach out for help. So, Dawn, yeah. thank you so much. This is really, what a great opportunity to, to to talk and to learn more about you and about your family. I'll keep a good thought for your loved one. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, you know, joining us today. So it is laurelhouse.net. Is that right? That's .org, www. And there are several Laurel Houses that do different things throughout the country, as we've learned. So it's www.laurel-house.org. Got it. Okay. Well, we know how to get in touch with you. So, um, let I wish you all great things. Good luck with the opening in, in June. Um, let's hope that that goes really well. Fearless fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Um, hopefully this podcast does help break the silence and get people talking um, about the uncomfortable or getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. We do appreciate you listening um, and we hope you enjoy today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. That's Thursdays. 12.30 releases, um, 12.30 p.m. releases, and that's Eastern Time. And in the meantime, be sure to listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. Follow the channel that you'd like best. We're on about eight channels now. Um, and this way you can get the notifications about our new guests. Fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Stories that you just heard are awe-inspiring. You won't want to miss a single episode. Um, I'd like to uh, thank Beth Sturman, Executive Director of Laurel House today, for um, being part of today's uh, episode you um let's do that uh call out number one more time 800 1-800-642-3150 and laurel-house.org is that right that's right okay yep, that's great if you need help don't hesitate um if you just want more information or want to get involved beth and her team was out there um huge out Shout out to you, Beth, for being our guest today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dawn, very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's a wrap, everyone. Until next time, I'm Dawn Lego, and this is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. <laughs>